0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. But obviously, uh, we were shocked and saddened by the events that uh, happened with the Tree of Life massacre in Pittsburgh over the weekend. And uh, to suggest that people were still in shock uh, the day after would be a massive understatement. Uh, right across North America, right across the world, everybody mourned. As Jewish people, you know, we've had issues happening to us for over 2,000 years. So this is not new for us. Uh, Very similar sentiments uh, being expressed all over the world these days and uh, a number of questions, how this could have happened, why this happened, uh, how it can be prevented. Uh, Vigils right across uh, the world, as we mentioned with uh, what's gone on here. 11 victims gunned down, of course. In uh, that terrible incident. Joining us to talk about this uh, is Bernie Farber, who is the chair of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. Uh, Bernie, thank you so much for the time. It's uh, good of you to be on with us today.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me, Bill.
0: Let's talk a little bit about uh, about the sentiment that we're feeling right now. There are there are so many things that we want to say, and I think as as our emotions are well to the top here right now, we, uh, uh, we're almost hesitant to do this because they sound so cliché, but, you know, like, how could this happen? But but those are legitimate questions about something like this happening on a, uh, in, in, in a house of worship. Not the first time it's happened, not the first time it's happened in North America. Uh, it's not supposed to happen in our, our society, is it?
1: In fact, it's not the first time it's happened in Canada. <clears throat> it was back in January 2017 when a similar incident, similar tragedy, happened in a mosque in St. foy Quebec, where mm-hmm. six um, uh, worshippers were gunned down. Um, it, it's horrific. Uh, it traumatizes communities. Uh, this is the last place in the world where you would expect not to be safe. A house of worship is where you go to find peace, to contemplate and to pray, uh, and to take advantage of that and uh, fuel uh, people fueled with hatred enter a synagogue or a temple or a church and cause this kind of uh, chaos is, is uh, unimaginable. Yet I think, Bill, we have to ask ourselves some very real questions today. Um, we have to ask, what, how are these seeds getting planted? Uh, yes, there are always going to be people out there who are going to do these types of horrible things, but surely there are ways to mitigate it. And certainly one of the ways that we have to do it here in this province, for example, and I would say around the world, is that leaders, political leaders, have to lead. They can't be taking pictures with neo-Nazis and white supremacists, as as we saw our own premier do, and actually refuse to renounce it. He has to stand up, as do other leaders, and as my father used to say, you have to open a mouth. You can't give these people oxygen, you can't give them legitimacy, because it only takes one person— to cause the kind of tragedy that we saw on saturday in pittsburgh
0: bernie isn't that one of the major concerns and you and i've talked about this many times in the past is is that when situations like you've just described occurred it emboldens these people
1: without uh, without a doubt in my mind and and we've seen this time and time again and i think the last time you and i talked about this I, I, I noted to you that when i was the head of the canadian jewish congress one of our responsibilities was the security and safety of our jewish institutions and honestly bill I went to bed every night with this fear in the pit of my stomach that somebody was going to walk into a synagogue and start shooting. Thankfully, it did not happen, and sadly, until Saturday. Um, and, and again, after the mosque shooting, I, I was even more devastated because I believed it was only a matter of time. And really, there are ways to, at least as I said, mitigate this. And nobody is doing any of that. Leaders are not speaking out. We are not condemning hatred. Internet service providers are allowing on the most vile kinds of hatred one can find. People who are otherwise in their basements tapping away at their keyboards, uh, reveling in their hate, really get a hit of oxygen when, when, when they see people like Trump and others uh, uh, commend uh, hatred. Uh, Trump said there are good people on both sides after Charlottesville. What nonsense. Haters are not good people. But once they feel that, once they feel that impact, that passion, it only takes one of them to to do what we saw, and it's 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 uh, really I, I've been devastated, just devastated.
0: Bernie, why don't we react to the red flags that are coming up almost on a, a weekly basis now? And you mentioned Charlottesville. Uh, when when somebody of the ilk of David Duke endorses what the president has said, we should be revolted by that. And instead, we well, too many of us do nothing.
1: Well, well, that that's exactly it. I mean, um, I, I am I'm stunned. I almost feel Bill as if I've gone down the rabbit hole. Uh, I, I never would have imagined in my retirement years, I retired last year and I'm doing some consulting on, on uh, racism and anti-racism, but never did I think I would once again be be having to give the world a message that Nazis are not good people. And, uh, you know, the the moment that David Duke uh, commended in any way uh, Donald Trump, he should have stood up loudly and clearly and saying, I don't want your commendations. I don't want anything to do with you. And, by the way, again, I would say the same thing about leaders right here in our own province. Uh, you know, that whole issue with Faith Goldie and, and, and Doug Ford having a picture taken together and, and the premier of the province refusing to renounce this woman who engages and enables neo-Nazism in this province. This is the kind of thing that makes me very sad, and it's the kind of thing that I, I, I implore upon leaders. Please, it's, it, you have the platform to give the message. If you don't give that message, it just, as we've said before, emboldens people
0: why have we blurred the line though the way things seem to be anyway and on social media and and probably you're absolutely right even in the political uh, dialogue that's going on we've blurred the line now between free speech and hate speech
1: well yeah it's true that we have blurred the line and i think much of this goes back even just a few years ago we used to have a section on the canadian human rights act called section thirteen that really dealt effectively with hatred on the internet the internet today is the tool of choice for hate mongers why because in the past they used to stand out in street corners and hand out leaflets and if 10 people took it that was considered a good day now they tap a key and they could potentially reach tens of thousands of people and so there there has to be some corporate citizenship demonstrated by internet service providers twitter and facebook are as much to blame as as uh, you know things like uh, 4chan and gab.com the the more mainstream uh, media, more ma- mainstream social media that allows hateful messages, um, which have to violate their community standards, but you know, many claim that they don't. They have to take a better look at what's out there because this just feeds that that hateful animal.
0: Well, it spreads like wildfire, as you mentioned. I mean, you know, the 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 tool of the internet, so this wonderful tool that we have developed here, can also be used as a, as a weapon. Uh, again, and we've seen this happen time and time again, and you referenced the uh, the murder, the massacre in saint foy Quebec, last year. Uh, that perpetrator RG, ran right into that mosque and said, "I want to kill all Muslims." We had the same situation happen at the Tree of Life massacre. I want right. to kill all Jews. Uh, there is something going on out here that is that is feeding that that frenzy and feeding that mindset.
1: Well, we, I, I think we know what it is, and, and I think that there is there has been this wave of. Uh, of populism, which I think is misunderstood. Populism used to be a good thing, and now it's a bad thing. And the populism is centered on this kind of nationalist fervor that has been erupting here, where all of a sudden immigrants and refugees are bad people. This would not be a country had, had it not been for immigrants and refugees. All of us come from someplace else, with the exception of Canada's indigenous people. We are built on the strength and foundation of immigrants and refugees, and yet we seem lately to be a country of immigrants that hate immigrants. It's got to stop. We've got to take stock, and, I, you know, I'm almost at a loss as to figure out how best to do this.
0: Well, shouldn't that dialogue be happening at the at the provincial and federal level? instead of? Well, I mean, it's the, great that you're here to talk about us today, Bernie, and we want to have that dialogue. But uh, but this is where we look to leaders, isn't it?
1: Well, it is. And I have to tell you that, uh, you know, maybe three or four months ago, before the last provincial election, there was uh, an entity within the provincial authorities called the Anti-Racism Directorate. And sadly, after after the uh, win by the Conservative government here in Ontario, that was disbanded the anti racism anti racism director brought uh, leaders and uh, ethnic leaders and others together to discuss ways and means as to how we can get the message out there into schools into community centers uh, everywhere and that has now been disbanded uh, it is it is as though we are walking backwards as opposed to walking forwards and and that's what makes me so angry in the in the long run we have the opportunity and we have the means by which to get positive messages out there but instead we look for ways to to accentuate the negative and we have a lot of work to do bill and that's why i appreciate at least being able to speak out you know to honor my father's words he used to say you know you have to open your mouth if you want to get something done
0: but there seems to be little dialogue about, for instance, anti-Semitism, and you and I talked about this some months ago, and uh, about a couple of incidents that actually had occurred here, and they seem to happen with way too much frequency. Uh, but, but I mean, there was even some dialogue on social media. I'm sure you saw this, Bernie, in the news over the weekend. That uh, the Jewish money was behind the uh, the caravan of refugees that are making their way through Central America. That this was done to try to to undermine the Trump administration. I mean, th- this is this is total BS. But it's out there, and there are people that buy it.
1: It is. And Robert Bowers, the alleged shooter at, at the Tree of Life Synagogue, is one of those that bought that message. You know, the the message of George Soros, uh, uh, you know, a, a Jewish philanthropist who has given. Millions and millions of dollars to wonderful causes is all of a sudden targeted by the by the by the hate by the hate out there as a leader in bringing in immigrants and refugees in, in this caravan, uh, and there are code words that are being used and dog whistles that are being used at point at Jews. Look, the the Jewish community understands this better than many others. Robert Wistrich, a great historian, once called antisemitism the longest hatred. And it, 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 is, it is sadly very true, and it goes in peaks and valleys. And when people say to me, you know, really, anti-Semitism is a thing of the past, <laughs> this past weekend has demonstrated quite clearly that, 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 that it is not true. And the events of the last number of months with a, a, an unprecedented rise in anti-Semitism right here in our own province proves that it is not true. And it is time not just for Jews to start fighting anti-Semitism. It's time for all of us to be fighting anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, xenophobia. We have to do this together, not wait for an incident like this and then have a vigil the next night. We have to find ways to permeate into, the, into that heart of darkness and, and turn it around somehow. Uh, and we have to work together, ethnic leaders, religious leaders. Why isn't there a press conference today from all the religious leaders across the province Denouncing hatred, denouncing racism in the wake of Pittsburgh, I have been calling on this for, for since the Saint Fo massacre, and yet faith leaders that are the moral center of our society have remained ominously and dangerously silent. Why uh, Your guess is as good as mine i can 't figure it out of, of all people, you would think that they would have the moral mountain to stand on, and, and instead they seem to hunker down in their bunkers.
0: And again, that that speaks to the separation that seems to have occurred, and the fractious uh, attitude that seemed to have. And uh, we and I talked about after the nine eleven tragedy, of course, uh, here in the Hamilton area locally. Uh, religious leaders, the mayor at the time, Bob Wade, got religious leaders of all denominations together, and we talked about that, and we forged that message about a, uh, a crime against one is a crime against all of us. And, and I know that was a, a message that seemed to resonate with people right across North America and across the world after 9-11. We seem to have drifted away from that, though, Bernie. We
1: have, we have drifted away with the, with the hope, to some extent, that this has gone away. It never goes away. It buries itself. And if it gets watered, if the hatred gets watered, it it sprouts once more, and we turn our backs until something terrible happens, like like we saw on Saturday. Maybe if there's any pinprick of light, Bill, that will emanate from this terrible tragedy, it is that people will wake up and will want to walk together towards civility. That 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 is the hope that that I'm reaching out to to now. There's a vigil tonight here in in Toronto at Mel Lastman Square, hoping that hundreds, if not thousands, will show up and stand in solidarity and say, "No more. We've had enough. Let's work together. Let's stop it."
0: Well, and and this is again where we come back down to the leadership and the elements that seem to be coming or not coming into play in in circumstances like this, and it's it's got to be awfully frustrating. Uh, but and and I know that once again, uh, the people that seem to be defending some of these uh, these right wing anti and actually in, in neo Nazi movements in many cases to go to that extreme side of things, Bernie. Uh will characterize this as they have with some of the other tragedies that we've referenced as well it's a mental health issue. It's not a societal problem. Well, that they don't seem to connect out, that of course it is. It's trying to rationalize this.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and by the way, virtually every hater that has participated in these kinds of terrible tragedies, yeah, maybe they have mental health issues, but all of them to in the, in the last couple of years have been radicalized online. Whether it was Alexandra bissonnet in Saint foy whether it was Alexander uh, Manassian uh, with the truck ramming here in Toronto, what we've seen is that they got their hateful ideas online. And so, (laughs) you know, all of us play a role here in terms of trying to do what we have to do and what we can do to to bring things forward. Uh, And right now it seems like we've come to a dead stop as opposed to finding ways to run forward. And uh, I'm 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 not terribly sanguine about about the future unless we find a way to work together, Jews and Muslims and Christians and and uh, and Hindus and people of color. I mean, really, we are we are one family in many respects, and we have to stand up for each other. And we're we've just sort of stopped doing that.
0: We're we're at a sad and very tragic crossroads right now, where violence against uh, people that we hate right now seems to be. If not the norm, certainly the preferred uh, avenue for for people that that seem to be on the edge like that. But it's easy to feed that beast.
1: Well, it is, and and by the way, I mean, you know, you you take a look at people like Trump and others who who, who do feed that beast, who who engage in in violent rhetoric and 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 images of of violence. We take a look at some of our media, and I uh, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm. I'm Talking about uh, print media here, that's a little bit to the right of Attila the Hun, that w- that where, where columnists will write about things that have not happened and blame immigrants, uh, you know, for a fire that happened in a hotel where, where immigrants and refugees are are staying and people drinking uh, the blood of goats. And I mean, th- this is all nonsense, but it's written in, in in legitimate newspapers in this country, and people read that and uh, and get worked up this has got to end. I mean, certainly editors and others have a responsibility to make sure that this type of thing isn't out there. Uh, and again, it's all a part of working together. And I don't know what it's going to take to, to you know push these people to do that.
0: I really don't. Well, there's got to be some ownership here. i got about a minute left here. Maybe this is a classic example of of how we seem to be approaching this from the wrong side. Uh, in response to an awful lot of the, the pushback on this, Twitter has announced today, that they are murdering their heart button. They say too much liking is actually giving validation to this. They're ignoring the fact that it's the text of the tweet it, it, that's the it, problem. And, it's and not the like button. It's, it's removing the accounts that incite murder.
1: And, Bill, if I, if I could urge your listeners, uh, the Canadian Anti-Hate Network has a website. It's called anti Learn about who the players are out there that are stoking this. Please go on to our site. Do what you can to educate yourselves. This is part and parcel of what we all have to do.
0: Bernie, as always, thanks so much for the time. I hope uh, the rally goes well tonight, and uh, hopefully we can get a message out about this. Appreciate your time. Thank
1: you, Bill. Take care.
0: Bernie uh, Farber, of course, is the chair of the Canadian Anti-Hit Network. As he said, he's supposed to be in retirement right now, but I'm, I'm glad that, that he found the time to come out and talk. We need strong, we need intelligent voices uh, to try to do something about this and stem the tide of uh, what is becoming a very troubling uh, movement, In the, not just here, but through the social media. You're listening to the
1: Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: From election night uh, last week uh, where we broadcast live from City Hall with all the results and uh, we introduced you to uh, the winners including some new counselors. Uh, And we talked with all of them at that time about how excited they were and it was a great night to celebrate but uh, it's time to get down to work. Well, there's one problem with that. Uh, they're not allowed to yet. Uh, the the province, in their wisdom, uh, moved the election date up, and that was a good thing. I mean, to to have it in October as opposed to the chilly, dark days of November it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but they didn't move the swearing-in date for the new council back up, so it's still going to be in December, December the 2nd, I believe, or 3rd. Third. Is it? Okay. So in the meantime, uh, they can't do anything because they're not officially city councilors. They are the councilor-elect for their particular area. Uh, yet there's uh, nothing much the uh, incumbent councillors or the ones that are there now are going to do if they haven't got a job after December the 3rd. So uh, we're in kind of a gray area right now, kind of a no-man's land or no-person's land, I guess. Uh, one of those, of course, is the counselor-elect for Ward 7, Esther Pauls, who joins us here in studio. How are you doing?
2: Oh, Bill. You're I still know, on the
0: same high you were I, on on my election night. And you night. know what?
2: I think I'll always be high. <laughs> I just love people. As long people. as I've known you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm involved in the community. But can I s- take 30 seconds to thank consti- my constituents? Uh, thank you, Ward 7, for believing in me. I will serve you well. I will study the issues, and I will do the best for the city of Hamilton that I love.
0: And and that's why they voted for you and put you in. But you had an interesting circumstance happen to you. You mentioned you were in church and you actually got a text?
2: Yes, I, I was in church and I got a text uh, from the BIA, from concession, yeah. saying there was graffiti all over some of the, the stores. And I don't know if you know, uh, Bill, but I had an insurance company on Concession Street. My family, the Paul's family, has been on concession for 70 years plus, and they're still there, some of them. I have a nephew that has a business there. So concession is my I know all about concession. So it was interesting that I got that text. But the problem
0: here is that technically you can't do anything about that because you're not a member of city council yet.
2: Yes of course I can't do much right now but I could answer and say I will do something when I'm sworn in. I text right back. Actually I called her and I said I'm there for you. I w- we will solve the issue, that, but give me a chance. Uh,
0: and, and therein lies part of the problem. Now, I understand that the, there has to be some lag time in a situation like this. I mean, I went through this in 1997. It was quite not quite as long as this. But uh, because you've got to get your, your staff together, I exactly. mean, you you have to hire an office staff. And yes. I mean, even back when I got elected, there was one administrative assistant. I had a great administrative assistant uh, and who just did everything. But now, of course, the counselor's budgets have expanded. Uh, there are more people to represent Mm -hmm. obviously so you've you've got some work to do to try to get that put together
2: yes I do and as soon as I know what the budget is as soon as I know more information which I will receive on November 15th I will do my hiring and I will look what I need but I want to say that I'm here for the people and I will do what I can do and I will do the hiring as soon as I know what the budget is
0: well these orientation sessions that you referenced, I think it's gonna be happening over two days that's basically where you sit down with, uh, yes. th- this is the, the new one, counselors, that is, mm-hmm. uh, sit down with staff, and they basically tell you how City Hall runs. Uh, you know, these are the committees, this is what yes. you do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's and pretty, I'm, pretty steep learning curve.
2: I'm I'm looking forward to see what committee I'm well suited for because uh, I, I want to make sure I'm in the right committee and that I could have a voice in that uh, those committees. So yes.
0: that, that's all going to be part of this. And that's where you get numbers about, you know, what you can do, who you can hire, et cetera, like exactly. this. Exactly. Uh, have you had a chance to look around yet at, at City Hall?
2: Well, yes, I went the day after. <laughs> I was so excited. I should... you're in a
0: bit of a different circumstance than uh, than some of the other folks because that was a vacant seat.
2: Yes, it was. Uh, and Terry Anderson
0: was there, but Terry, of course, is, is you know, didn't run again. So, I yeah. mean, he's he was the, the caretaker, as it were, and he was right. a veteran counselor from that area. Right. So so you're, you're kind of starting with a blank slate here.
2: I am. And I know Terry very well, actually. Um, but, uh, yeah, I went in all excited just to see City Hall. I just love going in there. I went into where my office uh, will be, and it was uh, nice, a little tour of it. And, and I have lots of friends in City Hall. I've been City Hall many times, but uh, uh, to actually go where my office will be, where I will do my work, where I could service the people, I'm looking forward to that.
0: So what are the first steps now? I mean, after we, uh, we, we talked on, on election night, I said go and celebrate now because mm-hmm. you've got a lot of work ahead mm-hmm. of you, and that's just to get set up. What have you, what have you been able to do so far?
2: Well, what have I been, I've been uh, looking at all the issues that I wrote down, when I went door-to-door, and there were lots of issues. I went door-to-door. I, I'm pretty sure I did it one and a half times, you know, almost twice, knocking on door. Actually, I had somebody say, how many times you come around? He said, you've been here three times. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I couldn't believe that some doors I even went the third time. Just to see what so the So what, what did you hear? I heard uh, safety on the streets that was number 1 if i, I did my pamphlet and if, uh, my commitment toward 7 is crackdown on drugs theft and violence for hamilton and more and more i hearing more about it as you know bill i have a son as a uh, a police officer mm-hmm. and i have a son as a paramedic i have a daughter-in-law as a paramedic i have uh, i have four sons and they're all in, in our community here and i want to tell you those concerns me and those are were concerned also public transit, infrastructure, the works. Some people were saying, look at my road. It's been 30 years since they've done anything. And I look at it and go, wow. Uh, you know, we joked around. It was like a roller coaster. So uh, things like that. I wrote everything down, what people were saying. So I was going through my notes and go, oh, that person might call me for this or that person might call me for that because I already wrote them down.
0: Here's the problem, though, that, that you and, and, and the other newcomers are going to face, and, and even the incumbents, I guess, to a certain extent, is, is you've got a list of priorities, and that's based on all the conversations right. you had during the campaign. And and that's good, and uh, and I know how sincere you are about this. But the biggest challenge I think all of you are going to face, though, is now trying to fit your list of priorities into the city's right. list of where they're going to go. Right. But because you're going to have a whole bunch of other counselors who are going to say, well, yeah, well, i got my list, too.
2: Exactly. That's why, Bill... <laughs> I think it's important for council to work together for the betterment of Hamilton. That's what it's all about. Bill, it's not just downtown. It's not just Lancaster, Stony Creek. You know, it's not uh, just uh, one area. It's all of Hamilton. I will represent cons- my constituents well in that area, but then we will look at all of Hamilton because when all of Hamilton does well, we all do well.
0: So what are you going to do about transit?
2: Transit. Well, you're asking me to give you all the solutions now. No, 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 I no not make, all the solutions, yeah, no. but you know there are two uh, big issues you are have to big worry about. The transit <laughs> is bus service. I knocked on one door, and you know what he said? He lived two kilometers from the mall. Uh, Lime Ridge Mall, and it took him an hour. And I said, are you kidding? I could walk there, you know, within 10 minutes or run within few minutes. And he said, that's how bad it is. Some buses don't come by as often. So bus scheduling. Um, you know, the bus shelters. I go by some bus shelter, and they're all graffitis, and I want to improve those bus shelters, maybe with a computer that says when the bus is going to come. There's a lot of ideas. I don't know if they'll all go through, but we need to improve. That, the, I, I saw that I in
0: in London, England. This yeah. was a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, where they actually, yeah, and, and with GPS and everything, you could do all this stuff. It's it's technically very easy. Well, but it's, it's going to be expensive, I'm sure. Right. But it would say. You know, next bus in two and a half minutes because they've yeah. got GPS and they'd say this is where you are and that's and you could look oh yeah there's the bus there.
2: I think it's great because you know that way you don't have
0: to walk out onto the road and look for it.
2: Right. Do you know Bill? There's a lot of people that don't have phones with them or they don't know how to use maybe the GPS on, on that. But to have it in the bus shelter, I think it'd be neat. It would be something. I heard London has it. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but somebody said that London has some of the, uh, the uh, that infrastructure where the bus shelter will tell you when the bus is coming. So we need to improve that. We need to make sure somebody from Stony Creek can get to Ancaster to go to work and not take two hours. I had somebody from Stony Creek says it took her two hours to go to work in Lancaster. So those are the problems we're going to solve. And those are the things we're going to bring to council. And we all try to solve it.
0: What are you going to do about LRT?
2: Well, LRT, that is such well, a it's, it's
0: uh, And again, I know that Fred Eisenberger, the mayor, uh, is, is suggesting, yeah. look, at the, you know, this was a referendum on LRT. Yeah. We're going to move ahead on right, this. Right, right. Uh, yeah. you, uh, you well, you've expressed uh, some res- reservations about I've, it.
2: Of course I have. I've been to Notre But G- when you
0: see an overwhelming vote like this that the mayor suggests is well, a referendum and, and a mandate for him to carry well, through, did where, you do, think where does that put you?
2: Well, I thought we didn't talk about just one issue. I thought the, uh, Fred, who's a very, very close friend of mine, actually on my brochure, I have his picture on it, I just want to say, uh, he said it wasn't a referendum. He really didn't. It was well, more he, said, than he
0: said that after.
2: After. So I respect him, and I will always respect our mayor. I will always respect my fellow per, uh, counselor, always. I will not change in that. But I want to tell you, the day of the election, the day of the election bill, I had hundreds of calls. You know what the calls were? Yes or no, LRT. They And I said, how can I say yes or no? I will say no, because most of them don't want it. And I know their concern. I wrote them down. Their concern of congestion, of closing maybe uh, King Street, too narrow, too old-fashioned, and then Main Street doing two-way. They are confused. I'm confused. I read about it, so I think we have to do a better job of saying, what the facts are. I know it will bring business, but I'm wondering even without the LRT, business will come because we have a unique city. We have such a unique city. We know where it's situated. Near Toronto, near Niagara Falls. We have a two-tier city that really should work as one. We have a lovely city here and we could bring business in, I know. Now, with the LRT, I will look at it again. I'm not close-minded. Matter of fact, a politician that never changes his mind... It's not called uh, flip-flop when they change their mind. I want to make clear. If by some reason I find that the LRT is very, very good for us, if I find that, I'm not going to be a politician. But Esther, you're no. never
0: going to get unanimous consent. And you're never going to get exactly. everybody in Ward 7 saying, yes, Ex- we're all for it or all against it. Exactly. At some point, you're the elected representative. Yes. You're going to have to listen to those that are for it and those that are against it. Because You, have to make, you only get one vote. Yes, you are going to have to and, make up your right, own mind. And
2: I will make my vote. And I will let my constituent know what I've I've done and what I've learned I want to tell you Bill I am for the city city councilor the mayor we have to do this because we love Hamilton because Hamilton is on the map everybody knows about Hamilton I have promoted Hamilton for 20 years through the Hamilton marathon I have done that for 20 years Hamilton the best place to raise a child Hamilton the best place to live Hamilton we are we are on the map
0: we are. Uh, but, but uh, you know, what that and map is going to look decision. like and how the city is going to yep. evolve over the next 20 years. Uh, you've got some important decisions. You brought something up. I got just a couple of minutes left here before we have to do a break. Uh, and you mentioned the road to hope. Uh, you've been pretty busy with an election campaign. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you've been knocking on doors, as you mentioned, yeah. uh, for for months now. Uh, both in the provincial campaign and then on the municipal campaign, mm-hmm. but the road to hope—you've still had to organize that. I guess in your spare time, if you mm-hmm. ever have any spare yeah. time. but that's uh, coming up now.
2: It's coming up this weekend. Yeah. and uh, promote Hamilton. We're going to get at least six thousand plus about six more thousand watching it. Eh? Everybody knows. Now, this, is, this
0: by the way, I, I mean, we always talk about the Around the Bay race, yeah. and, you know, the great tradition, but this is a full marathon. Full
2: marathon, going down the Red And it's Hill. a
0: qualifying race for other marathons, for it, the, including the Boston Marathon. Exactly.
2: That's what people come from. We have people from all over coming. I'm serious. And they go down the Red Hill. You know what they say? I didn't know Hamilton was so beautiful. I didn't know Hamilton had such jewels, you know, water, all of that. So I Bill. I've been promoting Hamilton. I will make right decisions. I will look at the decision. I will do my best for my constituents, but I will do well for the city.
0: I know. And, and this, this marathon is going to be part of this. So give me yes. just a couple of seconds here about what's going to be happening Saturday and Sunday.
2: Yes. So Friday is the expo where people come and get their uh, uh, brochure, their bibs and all that. And then Saturday, the the 1K, 5K, 10K. We have 25 charities involved in this. 25 chairs in Hamilton involved in this. And then Sunday is the big marathon. We close the Red Hill. We're going to run down the Red Hill. We're going to have festivities. We're going to have a great time. Hamilton, we're on the
0: map. How many years have you have been doing this now?
2: This is almost 20 years. Is that right? But uh, it used to be at Westdale High School yeah. because the Red Hill wasn't open and the Link wasn't. Uh, we did the first one uh, opening the Link and going down the Red Hill. So, yeah. So it's been going on for a long time.
0: Uh, it's incredible the way this has grown the number of participants
2: yeah you know why it's growing because we promote hamilton we're not promoting just the hamilton marathon we're promoting charities in hamilton that need help you know where my heart is bill you know where I come from. I love helping people. We help 25 charities raise their money. They keep all their money. You know, I don't take a penny of their uh, money fund. They take it all and they could promote Hamilton. And that's what I'm all about. I'm about Hamilton being uh, progressive. I love people moving around. If you're talking about the LG, it's kind of nice to see that, but we want to make sure it's the right thing. And I will do, I will Study it, and I will do the decision.
0: You're going to have to come up with a decision pretty quickly on this. I will. Because relatively early in the new year, there are going to be some very important Mm -hmm. council votes on this. So it's going to be a pretty steep learning curve for you. Exactly. It is. To pick up the speed on this.
2: You know, and I'll pick it up. I've never been afraid of trying something new. Never. You know why? Because when you try something new, you grow, Bill. You, you all of a sudden say, wow, I learned this issue. I love trying something new. When I did my first Ironman, that was new to me. I wasn't afraid. I knew that I would practice. I knew that I would do the work. And I knew the result was I would finish the Ironman. And that's how I approach about the city.
0: So you're going to bring all this enthusiasm. And again, you've yes. just been just ebullient with enthusiasm, here, as you always are. Uh, but it's you're going to get frustrations as a city councilor cuz not everything's going to happen as quickly as you want not everything's going to happen the way that you want.
2: You know Bill you're right but you know what I surround myself with good people. I surround myself when I'm down I go to my friend or I go to someone and say give me your advice. I've never been afraid to go to someone and get somebody's advice. And that's what the difference. I'm the type of person that says I could be wrong at times. Bill, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying that I know all the answer. But when I get down, when I don't know the answer, I'm going to get counsel. I'm going to get counsel with people that might know more than I myself. And that's what good people do. I think that's what we should do. We don't know it all. I don't know it all. I don't have all the answer. But one thing I know, is that I want the city of Hamilton to do well. One thing I know is that my children, my grandchildren, to grow up in Hamilton. But, ha- what, but in how's Hamilton.
0: that vision? You got about a minute left here. Uh, you know, that you mentioned LRT, and that's going to be part of that future. Yeah, yeah, and uh, w- right. how you support that or not is a decision that you yeah. say that you still want to make. Uh, one of the first votes you're going to have to make as a city councilor after you get sworn in right. is is Hamilton's position when it comes to, to the legalization of cannabis. Do you oh. want to have shops here? I mean, that, the, the s- municipalities have the right to either say yes or no to that. Right. Uh,
2: I, I know what I want. What do you want? I don't want those shops. And the reason is, I know they're, I mean... I don't want them where they're gonna be located, first of all. I wanna make sure they're never near a school. Well you can do yep. that though. That's what zoning's yes. all about. It's zoning. I wanna make sure. But I also want to make sure that if we have an opportunity to stall it, it's a one time thing. Let's stall it till we know what's going on. But
0: you can't. You either have to say yes or no. The province has well, given you a deadline.
2: Okay, I will say at this point no. I'm concerned about my grandchildren. I am. I have eight grandchildren. I am concerned about them. I, Bill, you know I've never smoked. Everybody has the right to take. It's legal. Bill, it is legal. And I'm not against that. It wasn't my decision. It wasn't my decision to legalize. So it's legal. So they could go ahead. But if I have an opportunity to say no to cannabis, 80, I found out there were 88 uh, legal, not legal, Opening now? Why know, are they open? Yeah,
0: but that's that's different now because it's legal. The no, con- no, but the should they be open now? No, of course not. Of but course they are. Not. I know, I know, and we already we've discussed that okay, on the program. That's fine. But the council's going to have to make a decision. And so your answer is going to be no. Of course. Let's, we got a lot of other issues we can yes. talk about too. But we got lots of time to do that between now yes, and, and you know. December second. Thanks for coming in, and don't forget the road to hope. And if they want to get details, where can they go? You got a web road
2: to hope a road to a Hamilton marathon All
0: right, uh, Esther. Thank as you. always, thanks so much for coming in, Bill. It's
2: always a pleasure here Thank you.
0: You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Well, we are uh, less than a year away from the next federal election, and uh, both uh, Andrew Sheer and uh, Justin Trudeau say this could be one of the uh, dirtiest and uh, roughest, and uh, well, most vile elections. Well, that really sets the tone, doesn't it? After both of them said they were going to take the high road, uh, and it looks like the Conservative Party appears to be gearing up for a fight with news outlets as part of the nineteen uh, 2019 electoral strategy. Uh, Andrew Shear had an op-ed piece published in the Toronto Sun a little while ago uh, that basically says that uh, the media is the problem here and the media doesn't give him enough treatment, enough fair treatment, and that they tend to favor the Liberals. I mean, we've heard this song before. And as I mentioned in my editorial earlier this morning, it's, it's not unusual for politicians to complain about media coverage. I mean, every politician I've ever known s- what well, just wants the media to say nice things about them and bad things about their opponents. I mean, that's that's get that. But... Uh, to always, you know, start to throw the media on the bus is how it's very much like it's tearing right out of the Donald Trump playbook. And and by the way, uh, I can see where Shear's getting this from because, I mean, his, his old boss, Stephen Harper, uh, was famous for this. But is the, uh, it's this whole idea about anybody who dares, who has the temerity to actually, you know, say something contrary to their political party or their ideas is all of a sudden an enemy of the people. I mean, I, I'm getting tired of hearing this narrative. I really am. Uh, certainly, it's it's gone to insane proportions south of the border, and it bothers me, and it should bother all of us, that it's being perpetrated on this side of the border. I want to bring Richard Brennan into the conversation. Richard, of course, is a retired journalist now, but he spent many years covering Queens Park and Parliament Hill, and uh, always a, a welcome guest here on the program. Richard, great you could join us today. Thanks so much for the time. Hi, Bill. You're an enemy of the people. Yeah, well, again. And now, you've been called <laughs> a lot of things in your time. <laughs> I've never heard them complain about the media before. this is new to you, isn't it? Oh, God. We, we he said sarcastically yeah
3: it's it's just uh, well, i for sheer i think it's frustration uh, on many levels. I mean, give the government always gets more ink anch- than the opposition. That's just the way it is. Uh, the you know, the reporters will go to the opposition to you know, get their say on whatever particular bill is brought in or something. Like that, but that would be. The government is bound to get more coverage, just the way, you know... The well, because they're
0: the ones that works. introduce legislation. They're the ones that develop yeah, policy. I mean,
3: they're, they're, they're the ones that hands on the hands-on-the-lever-power. of power. But I think his frustration is that sheer is pretty convinced, I think, in his head that he hasn't got much of a chance this election. And with, you know, not having a chance means that it could be goodbye, Mr. Shearer. And he's also looking, you know, at Maxine Bernier nipping at his heels. Maxine Bernier might not, you know, get that much support, but it'll be enough to drive a wedge into the Conservative Party. And and that's the worst. They, they've gone through this before uh, and experienced it before when, you know, the voting amongst themselves is split. So I th- this is his concern. So I, I think reaching out and attacking the media is more out of frustration than reality.
0: But is this really just a play to his base? I mean, in his heart of hearts, does he really believe this?
3: Well, he, I'm sure he's got people around him uh, telling him that, oh, you have to push back. They're just so mean to me. Well, you know what? I'm not going to cry myself to sleep tonight about Mr. Shear or 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 you know or Mr. Chido it's just that's the way coverage goes and if they can't if they're so so thin-skinned and if they're so myopic that they can't see further than their nose then you know maybe they're in the wrong business
0: but richard it's it's not based in in reality i mean you know for instance shear's op-ed piece in in the sun uh, it was was rather interesting because he says that uh, that the, the media quote unquote and they, you know put everybody under the same umbrella, of course, uh, favor Justin Trudeau over stephen or er, over uh, Andrew Shear. Uh, were they favoring him when they started to tear Trudeau apart about his vacation with the Aga Khan, or his trip to India, or his uh, handling of the accusations of sexual misconduct, or, or, or the the you know the business uh, tax uh, uh, revamp that was supposed to happen? I mean, the media tore Trudeau and the government apart about that. Where of where where all of a sudden is the favoritism? I don't see that.
3: Well, yeah, in his handling, you know, mishandling uh, Trudeau's mishandling of the pipeline. Oh, good. We I mean,
0: got there's a long list of stuff, and the media's on, been all I over mean, him you for. Know, it, you
3: know, it's you know, it's just simply. You know, I, I, again, I go back to it. they're frustrated, and they, they want to lash out at somebody, and why not the media? You know, they're, they're you know, an easy uh, whipping boy for b- lack of a better expression. And, you know, we saw, we saw what happened with Harper. Harper was, you know, was big on slamming the media, exoriating the media every chance he could get. And people got tired of it—not t- tired of the slamming the media, slamming critics, slamming anybody that got in his way, and uh, running over them. And that's one that I believe, t- you know, very much in my heart. That's one of the reasons he was defeated because people just got sick of it.
0: Well, here's the reason why I think the whole thing is disingenuous, and and maybe one of the reasons that Shear is doing this. Well, two reasons. Obviously, obviously, like I say, he learned from Harper about this. But it, Trump played this card very well, and, and and that's rather frustrating too. That that you know he's the enemy of the people. His latest tweet this morning: the media is the enemy of the people. But but here's the thing: especially we'll relate it to this side of the border. Uh, there's plenty of opportunity. Uh, I mean, while Harper was vilifying the news media, he was happily going and talking to Sun Media or to the National Post or going on to Fox News down in the states. He didn't have a problem with the media. It's media that disagree with him. Yep. That have the temerity to say, I think you're wrong on this. That those are the ones that he vilifies, but he calls the media. But there's a very strong contingent. I mean, even the op-ed piece that Shear put together, he did it in the Toronto Sun. Of course he did. Which traditionally, of course, is a, is a, a a newspaper that that always vilifies anything liberal and always gives safe haven to anybody conservative. And that's fine. That's that's their attitude. That and and you know that going in, you get that. Uh, the National Post just celebrated its 20th anniversary. Uh, it's it's a right of center newspaper we have that media this bs you hear that the 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 media favors liberals oh, the the left wing media i mean it's it's total crap
3: it's it's nonsense and it's always been nonsense but it's it's something you know don't look at you no know, don't look at my problems with leadership look over there look over at the media they they're the real problem you know in this enemy the state and nonsense it's it has been going on though though forever, and this right now falling on the heels of the the tact that Trump is taking it's not even it's not even original i mean trump's Trump's been doing this you know, and now they're going to follow in, in his footstep, at least be novel in your approach or original in your approach no, they've got to copy what they think is working down the United States and try and make it work here. Well, Canada is not the United States. And I don't think, quite frankly, it will have much take-up.
0: There's there's another issue I want to get your opinion on here, Richard, and I, and I was just talking with a listener about this on email just a little while ago. Is is People are dismissive of that and saying that, you know, they, you know he's right about this because there's a bias. Uh, people are conflating two elements about this. There are reporters and there are journalists and commentators uh, in the media. And maybe, maybe that wasn't the case years ago, but I, I, I tried to think back even 30, 40 years ago, there were always columnists uh, that wrote about things. They weren't necessarily reporting. They were commenting on the news or commenting about what governments were doing. Uh, and, of course, those are going to be opinionated. Of course they are, but, you guys, that's what those people get paid to do. And there's a plethora of them on both sides of the political spectrum
3: well it's gotten to the point quite frankly with with you know and and i'm speaking on both some, both sides that some of the columnists have just lost perspective i mean there's great columnists and there's columnists that think they have to kiss the derrière of whatever governments in power and i just don't understand that i you know particularly if they favor a certain party but for the m- most part i'll tell you i would i would Tell you, from my experience, that reporters go out every day and do their best to get both sides. Do they always? No, nobody's perfect, but I'll tell you, I would say, on the whole, that reporters walk a very fine line between whatever, if you're covering politics, whatever uh, government's in power, who's opposition, etc., they do. Their best and it, they may not write favorable things about you, be it the opposition or government. well that's just the way it is. And again, if, if you can't you can't accept that. you can't if you, if you don't know how the democracy works, well then maybe you should look for another job.
0: I mean, you know, w- w- was the media bias when they went after the, the McGinty and Wind governments about the handling of the gas plants? I, I mean, when they went after them about the Orange scandal, that, uh, that that was a bias that conservatives could live with, but they can't live with what anybody that says uh, something contrary to what they want to see.
3: Well, I know that we, you know, uh, work for the Star, as you know, and we we're you know always accused of being the Red Star and the Liberal Star, and that nobody went after them, the, the McGinty government, and. Subsequent governments who had to handle that more than the Toronto Star did. Well, the got Star
0: uncovered that. most of that.
3: Yes, but you never hear that.
0: <laughs> so this is why this whole thing is bogus about a bias. Uh, there are opinion pieces. There are opinion pieces on, 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 like you say, the Toronto Sun. There are opinion pieces in the Toronto Star. There are opinion pieces on this radio station. But there are news reports on this radio station, and and people want to take little bits of this to try to, to justify their their point of view on this. And and social media obviously is is a factor in this whole thing, Richard. Because you, it's easy for you to just you know throw something up there, post something on 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 Twitter or on Facebook, and simply you know it doesn't have to be factual. And God knows there are enough sources now of of false news. I don't use that other expression that gets uh, used down Please in the states. Don't. But a uh, false news. That, but you can always find something on on the internet that's going to validate your point of view.
3: Well, the, pro- the one of the problem is, and, and I I understand how readers get confused sometimes. But an opinion piece is just that, and it's always you know titled an opinion piece, or if it's a columnist, you know it's an opinion piece. But a lot of people don't differentiate that between new- that and news. Th- therein is much of the problem. But which, whose which fault is that? Well, I I don't know what more, you know, what more you can put on a story and say it's an opinion piece or somebody's column to illustrate that the fact that it's it, what you're going to read from henceforth is an opinion.
0: But, I don't know. But 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 you know the the, the, the consumer of that news or of that information or of that opinion piece uh has to do their own homework and understand that. And and at the same time uh, you know, I'm, I'll go back to a statistic that I saw a little while ago. This, this is true right across North America. I, I think it was 78% of the people that were polled read only things in the media or on social media that that validate their opinions. In other words, they don't want to expand their horizons. They don't want to hear contrary points of view. They just want to hear stuff and, and see stuff and read stuff that's going to say, yeah, you're right, those guys are evil, and you got, your team is right.
3: Yeah, they They live in an echo chamber. I mean, that's exactly what what the situation
0: is. And that goes on both sides of the spectrum. Oh,
3: no, absolutely. No, quite frankly, absolutely, yes. But getting back to, you know, what Shear's doing, I think it's, if he takes that approach, I think it's just silly. Downright silly. It's, it's not going to, you know, people, do they mistrust the media? They may, and maybe they have good reason for it, or they just do it because somebody else told them to do it. Or they just hear the, in the echo chamber that you know the media is out to get him. but it won't in the long run. I don't think in this case. I don't even think it will work in the short run. I just think it is so short-sighted, and that Mr. Shear should take step back and take a look at what you no know, he's being convinced is necessary because I don't think it is. I think it's just it's just downright. Like I
0: say, silly. I know this is an imitation, a situation of art imitating life. But I just watched probably about the fourth time uh, the movie "The Post" uh, with uh, with Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. It was about the Washington Post, of course, and the Pentagon Papers. Uh, and then, of course, you juxtapose that with, uh, with what happened with Watergate. Uh, where would the, the United States be without media uncovering the corruption of, of those situations and those governments? Uh, where would the Ontario voters be if it hadn't been for the work of the media that uncovered the gas plant and the orge scandal and e-health and on and on it goes? It's that, those are media-driven. Uh, the, you know, it, it's a, it defies logic to suggest that the media are the enemy of the people. They are the ones who work for the people.
3: Well, I'll tell you right now, Bill, and you'll, you'll, your listeners will certainly in the, in, the, in the rural areas, smaller towns will agree, a lot of the smaller papers have been shut down. And already people are saying, we're not finding out what's going on. We're not finding out what's going on in our town. We're not finding out where our politicians are up to, what council is doing, what bylaws are passing, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's happening now. And people, I think, in certain areas are appreciating it more than others, that the media plays an integral part in their community. That's what it is.
0: There are politicians who would love to suppress the media, who would love to vilify the media and discredit the media so that people don't trust them. But do they not understand, Richard, that that's step one in trying to control the message? So that we will do this, you will only believe what we say, because anything the media says about our message is going to be evil and untrue. I mean that's that's Orwellian, but there are people that want to follow along like lemmings and fo- and believe that.
3: Well, when that happens, everybody will be a mushroom, and you know the rest of the line. Uh, it's just you have it, media is not perfect. I'm not suggesting that for one minute. Did I make mistakes in my 43 years? Absolutely. But, you know, for the most part, I didn't. And for the most part, I did my level best. And if you ask anybody that I covered in politics, I had six or five five premiers show up at my retirement party of all stripes. And I treated them all the same. Some would say badly, you know, cruel but fair. That's what reporters do they're not always going to write something that you like but you know they're always when I always did a story when I was always asking a question to somebody I'm from Brantford Brant County as you know and I would always think I wonder what the folks back in Brant County would ask if they were standing here and every reporter is always thinking about what would people be thinking what matters to them at the end of the day when is something I write.
0: And if that question makes the politician uncomfortable, well, that's too bad. That's, that's the game. Oh,
3: that's it. That's it. That's the bottom line of this the whole thing. You, if you're going to go into politics, you're going to get you're, uh, the opposition, you're going to get critics, and you're going to get media covering you. It's, it's not going to be fantasy land. This is way, the way it is. You'll have good days and you'll have bad days, hopefully more good days than bad.
0: Well, and, you know, if we're going to be skeptical, I mean, be skeptical of elected officials right now that just, you know, they have their four or five talking points on every issue, and they don't, str- don't stray from those. Uh, and they don't want anybody who's going to knock them off their game because they just want to stick to those points because that's what makes them look good, and that's the message they want to get out. It's the media's job to peel back those layers and say, what's really going on here? And is this really a, a good policy or a good idea? And obviously politicians are going to resent that, and now we're seeing how they're pushing back on it.
3: Just recently, right at your, in, in Hamilton itself, Mr. Scroo was running for uh, in the mayoral race. He wanted the Spectator to take down an opinion piece that somebody had written, and I forget who it was now. That was critical of him
2: mm-hmm.
3: because he said it was it, it was paid for advertising. What? That's, again, here's a guy that's running for mayor and doesn't know the difference between, you know, paid advertising and an opinion piece.
0: Well, the fact of the matter is, as you did through your career, it's it's a matter of, of no matter who is in power, of questioning, always questioning. And because in the absence of that, uh, I hate to think what our society would evolve to. We've seen other countries where that's happening. It's not a pretty picture.
3: I don't even want to think about it, Bill.
0: Richard, as always, thanks so much for the time today.
3: Thank you. Bye-bye. Richard
0: Brennan, of course, who uh, covered Queen's Park and uh, Parliament Hill for many, many years.
2: The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900-CHML.